Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome in, everybody, to your Friday edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. Last week's travel for your host here, Jake Burns, was a little inhibitive to me uh, keeping the normal schedule I, I usually do, which is visiting with John Colosimo on Friday. So had to pre-record a lot of stuff and, uh, you know, we get get back to our roots here. I want to bring in John in just a second. We're going to we're going to talk about a couple of fun topics, uh, one not even remotely related to your Cleveland Browns, and one uh, one is very related to your Cleveland Browns. So uh, we are going to do that in a minute. I want to remind you of things that have happened this week. We had Peter Moses from Blue Wire on yesterday uh, talking about Brownstown, some of the different aspects of that fun uh, podcast journey that he did with Andre Knott. I had Andre on a couple times, but I want to get Peter's opinion too because he's a huge Browns guy, and he did a lot of the work behind the scenes for the production, which was so good. So really enlightening stuff. And then he shares some of his opinions on what happened in 2021. So check that out. And then we had a little bit of a a banter back and forth on the Monday show where we talked about some different angles on uh, free agents, wide receivers and interior D-line as those discussions are going to become more and more deep divey, getting into players' names you probably have not heard as we go. So check those two things out. So today we are going to transition to a debate on saving three we're gonna do five was it five i think it's five maybe six i'm gonna welcome in john colosimo you know him as we do every friday john we're gonna talk about these movies they're comedies the golden age of comedy movies which are just like gone like it's just a genre here that has disappeared and i don't know dude was it like old school the kickoff from like old school to I don't know what's the most recent one that we've had. I don't even, I couldn't even I couldn't even really tell you when it ended. Maybe like this is forty. I'm not sure the Aptal stuff ended. Am I off on that? Yeah. Tell me if I'm off. Yeah, no, that's probably it, man. Which you know, this is forty is so depressing to me. But you know, I think that probably does mark right around where it was, and yeah. they really did have a streak there, man. I do think old school was the kickoff. You know, like that was right. God, that I remember so seeing that for the first time. I was in basic training when uh, they released it. So I went over uh, somebody, a soldier's house or whatever in, um, in, I don't think it was basic electronics. I think it was SATCOM training. Um, I went over somebody's house, watched this thing on like a 20 inch TV. <laughs> and I. A fat back TV. Spit, oh, yeah. I spit, take, laugh. Like I could not control myself. Um, yeah, so I think that that just kicked off this massive streak that went on for what, like a friggin' decade or more. And then yeah. and you're right. It's just like, it's just gone. I mean, what, what do you get now? You get just like Adam Sandler rom-coms on Netflix, you know, that they release every other week or there's know, some I, that are similar to their, tr- they've tried to recreate it a little bit. There was something that Jonah, Jonah Hill's uh, sister was in Benny. I cannot remember the name of it. That was out recently that felt sort of like a version of Super Bad, like a modern version. Hang on, I'll I'll find this as we're we got cell phones up in front of us. Old school came out in two thousand three. You can tell John and I are not aficionados here, but uh we're really trying our best <laughs> to to get to get this right. I'm trying to find what the name of that 
What's what's Jonah Hill's sister name? Uh, Benny Fout. I don't know, man. I suck at this. <laughs> Let me get the computer going. We're doing this in real time, so um, you know you can you can make fun of me if you want. But this movie was was pretty good. Uh, Jonah Hill's sisters, Beanie. I'm saying Benny. It's Beanie. I hope some of you aren't laughing too hard. Beanie Feldstein. I had no clue until after I watched that movie. They were related. Uh, what is the name of it? We're gonna get there, John. I don't know if you watched it. <laughs> Book Smart. It was called Book Smart. It was actually pretty good movie about uh about certain kids getting into colleges and and and, and wasting your your high school experience on uh, uh studies when when like every all the all the perceived idiots are also going to the good schools too and you've wasted your entire career trying to be perfect academically and and uh anyway it's a good one watch out if you can but anyway here's the the, the thing that was thrown out you could pick five, we picked six i think there were six that we picked so i'll go through these and i'll let you pick your six and sort of quickly justify them and we'll 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 talk about it. Grandma's Boy, um, which is uh, Grandma's Boy. If you have never heard of it, I, I'm gonna try to be quick with the with the type here. Grandma's Boy is an '06 movie. Obviously, Adam Sandler and his gang. Uh, pretty pretty funny. The Hangover. We all know the Hangover. I hope you've heard of the Hangover by now. Uh, you know, I think Hangover was what year? 2009. God, that feels like yesterday. Um, <laughs> Hall Pass is another one. Hall passes Owen Wilson and Sudeikis. That was 2011. Horrible Bosses, the first one, another 2011 movie. Uh, due date, uh, I could not remember. I couldn't remember that one. Oh boy, I that, just that I immediately tossed that one out. That was that was Robert Downey Jr. and Galifianakis in that one. Um, Dodgeball, don't need to cover that again. Dodgeball might have been pushing the 2004. 2003 was old school. 04 is Dodgeball. 21 Jump Street, really good. Uh, 2012. The Longest Yard, kind of a random fit, but was pretty funny. This is the Sandler version. I did enjoy it. 2005, Pineapple Express. Uh, we know much about Pineapple Express. You know, uh, James Franco's career has gone off the rails, but uh, 2008, <laughs> Role Models. Uh, Role Models came out also 2008, a great year for movies. I think Superbad was 2008, too. That might be right. Superbass 2007, my graduating year of high school. Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights came out. What year did Talladega Nights come out? That's got to be like could, 06 or something. Yeah, I think it was 06. If I could spell Talladega right, that would help. 06, you're right. And then Wedding Crashers. So that was 05. Of, of these, we'll get into our six we keep, but what one do you quote the most in your daily life like if you just like you're with your friends or you're hanging out what mo of those movies do you quote the most because there's quite a few that are pretty good mm. of these ones crap <laughs> probably dodgeball uh and maybe role models one of those two Role Models is so underrated. It's so good. So good. <laughs> Step Brothers is, is my wife's favorite. Absolutely loves it. I will say, I quote, and I don't know if it's correlated to like when I was coming out of high school anyway and we just watched it and it was so relatable, super bad. Like there are infinite super bad quotes that, in, that are in my life. Talladega Nights has a lot of them, but they're almost all kind of corny to me. I mean, it's a funny movie, but they're like, but Wedding Crashers too, man. As Wedding Crash hasn't aged very well, but like, 
it's got a ton of them like what is it rule 76 play like a champion no excuses (laughs) or whatever there's a ton of those so those are is is a is like a quote machine like he was he was on that role there um with those movies and he he is definitely like i'm a sarcastic asshole he um so he's a quote machine for me yeah great he's he's probably the pinnacle i mean Farrell's pretty damn good and I think it's got to be those two, Vince Vaughn yeah. and Farrell are, are are the guys that that stand out above all else. Um, so we'll pick six. We'll go one. We'll I'll let you do your list first. Go ahead, kind of walk me through them. All right. So Hangover, I think that just you know that was one of those ones that really just smacked, um, you know, smacked you over and over, like laughed the whole the whole way. I got I got Hangover, Dodgeball. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That is another one. My buddy got this weird movie. We're out. This is when Netflix was all mm-hmm. mail in, mail by DVD. We're in Germany in the Air Force, so that was like super popular. Burn them and send them back. Whatever the case. So he gets this weird movie, Napoleon Dynamite. And I like quirky, weird comedies like that anyway. So yeah, that I can understand if that's not everybody's cup of tea. Uh, Role models, Pineapple Express, and. Uh, wedding crashes is where I'm at. Okay, what's your hardest to leave off? The one you had a hard time not putting in your list. Uh, I think it's Grandma's Boy. To be honest, like I, like I, I enjoy it, but it, it's silly. You know, like it's 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 a very silly one. But that would probably be the one that was closest to sneaking in. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, four hundred thousand dollar budget, and made forty six million dollars. Um, it's so ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous dude and like the the uncle rico stuff is all time stuff man like yeah a football over them their mountains is is just it's it's so it's so random that movie was so i have to think they're making it and they're like is anybody even gonna like this because yeah it it, it could have been so bad right like Oh my god! It could have yeah. been so bad, you know. Like no, I hundred percent agree. It's like so weird. I de- that's a perfect way to say it. They had to like, you know, that's a wrap, and then be like, I don't know, man. I really <laughs> don't know. I I don't. It was God. It was random, dude. So random, but but it hit every part of it. Every part of it hit. I don't know how or how they knew it would, but all of it hit. Um. So mine would be Grandma's boy was really funny to me and it was a funny to a lot of my friends so that one's in there for me i felt like the hangover was a mark of like the next phase of comedies after the early portion like the 03 to 07 era and then you got yep. you got like bradley cooper and and that was like the first time i remember galifianakis and how funny he was with carlos and the whole baby <laughs> thing like it was really good it launched a bunch of people i felt like that that you kept seeing in in those movies right so i like that one the, re- the 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 second and third editions were rough, but the first one was really funny. Um, it's hard to leave off dodgeball. I'm not a huge horrible bosses fan. A due date, whatever. Uh, I, I it's hard. I I think the one that's hardest for me to leave off is Napoleon Dynamite because it was so it was so damn funny. But Pineapple Express is like peak. It's just peak <laughs> peak everything, man. Like and it's so rewatchable, funny. Like we've watched yes. it lately, and it is. It's just so damn funny. It's great. Role models to me with little Ronnie and like everything about role models, like the, the, what is it? The, I don't know what they call it. Cosplay. What's the name of the thing they do? 
Oh, um, uh, layer or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, role, it's just like it's a role-playing so thing. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was... I don't know why people don't consider that more highly. Like, that just makes me laugh so hard. Oh, there's so many good one-liners. Like, Paul... And it's peak Sean William Scott. He'd come off of all of those American Pie movies. And this yeah. role with him and the... the, the <laughs> The chemistry he had with Paul Rudd and uh, what's her name, Jane Jane Lynch, where she's got the hot dog in the <laughs> office, so or the, it's, it's not the office. I think she has it at the uh, the gas station. You know, can't, yeah. can't BS oh, yeah. a BS or like, dude, those <laughs> scenes. I do not understand how they kept it together. Even if it took thirty takes, the way she delivers it is so funny. But that movie is so rewatchable and funny to me. It's really good. But Super Bad is right there, one A, one B to me to Pineapple Express. Super Bad is. At least for me, it was like, I know that Jonah Hill was in other things. I think he was in Old School, wasn't he? Didn't he have a brief little cameo in Old School? I th- I think he did. Maybe he didn't. I can't remember. He had, he? He had some nice. early cameos and things where I'm like, that's interesting. I feel like I feel like he did, but I could be wrong. But like that, that group, when they introduced all of those guys together in the McLovin and the, you know, <laughs> drawing, you know what <laughs> types of foods are shaped like? <laughs> like, it's like I'm so, dude, I'm telling you that movie I quote nonstop, and I don't know if it's just my friends, or it's a mark of the time. I don't know, but that movie is constant quote worthy. So those are mine. So Super Bad, Step Brothers, Pineapple Express, Role Models, Hangover, Grandma's Bun, Napoleon Dynamite's tough to leave off. Wedding Crashers is. It's really good, but it's just uh, the premise is so goofy that sometimes I can't really, I can't really totally get behind it. You do get that's the first exposure to Bradley Cooper I can remember. Um, that's that's oh yeah, I think, I I think it was. Yeah, I don't was, think I'd seen him before that when he was Sack or Zach or whatever they called him. But yeah, I just want to go through those because it's such a. You posted it today, and I was like, ah man, this is such a good topic because it it marked like. Oh three, I mean, you're a little older than me, but I, oh three, I'm in high school, you know, and it's all really you start to understand all those jokes and and it's just and they it was want so you to good. Take three out of this, like taking three out of this, there's just no way I'm I'm making it to three. It's impossible, and they left a few off too. I mean, old school yep. should old school should be in there, and it, I couldn't leave it off if it was right. Like I couldn't I couldn't leave it oh, off. Yeah. Uh, but but the one that I don't think people the, there's two. Role models and Grandma's Boy. If you have not watched those two, I can't, I can't really uh, encourage that enough. So get out there and watch them. We're going to switch over to Brown's content. Uh, before we do so, though, a quick little break from our sponsor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Okay, we're back. John, we're going to do a little fun exercise. This actually originated from a place you and I both wrote for a while at WFNY, which is a great independent site up in Cleveland. Michael Bodie, who's uh, a very smart dude, does writing on the side, does a great job, smart guy, good baseball takes, and uh, really, really uh, sharp Browns takes uh, as well. Turned me this idea in like 2018, I think. Hey, man, this is a thing I do. I look at the end of the year, which players on the roster are of what quality, right? And there's there's four tiers of quality. I've added one, right? Uh, it used to be just three. I added one. It was a little a little more excruciating back when the roster sucked. Now it's a little easier because you can really identify. There's not as many judgment calls. So I added, you, originally it was high quality, okay? High quality was a minimum of starter snaps on at least half of NFL teams. There's roster worthy, which is minimum of a likely 53-man roster spot, on at least like at least half the teams, and then replaceables, fringe guys uh, on future rosters. You know, they they could be a practice squad guy, they could be a very bottom of the roster, but they can be let go. They're replaceable. That's the perfect word for it. I added elite because I do think the Browns have elite players, and I, I think you need to separate high quality from elite. You know, I don't think I don't Definitely. think like uh, for example, uh, J.C. Treader, who I like a ton, is on the same level as Joel Batonio, right? You know, so I, I di- differentiated, differentiated there a little bit. So I want to have your opinion on these. I'll tell you what I put, and you can tweak any of them you would like and, and shout at me. Or we might just agree, and we might spend five minutes on this. So keep it organic. Quarterback play, they have three guys on the roster. I went with the most current roster on the website, so shoot me if I missed somebody you wanted me to add or subtract because they're not whatever. Um, and again, this is not a study of like, Hey, I, this is going to be, this guy is here next year. I'm for, I'm just looking at the status of the roster as the year ends. We'll see if they deem some of these guys keepable or not keepable. Okay. So I, I went high quality for Baker Mayfield because I do think half the teams in the NFL, he gets starter snaps for roughly it's, it's like give or take a few, maybe, maybe we'll get this answer from if somebody wants him. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, this version of Baker Mayfield, Definitely some debate to be had, but last year's, you know, it's certainly a fair argument to think half the team. So I went Baker high quality, roster worthy is Keenum and replaceable is Mullins. I could be talked into switching those two or putting Nick Mullins up in roster worthy, but when he's on a practice squad and nobody really wanted him, it's hard to say he's a roster worthy player. And, and maybe you could argue that Keenum isn't either, but I feel like Keenum would be a backup on half the teams and they'd be okay with it. Not at the figure he's making, but that's at least my general feel about the player. Do you agree with those or would you tweak any? Yeah, I think I, excuse me, I think I probably would flip uh, Keenum and um, and Collins just because it's hard for me to get around that the salary, and I just don't find them to be that much different. Mm-hmm. And also, it, it goes into how I view the importance of backup QB, um, which uh, I'm pretty low on, personally. So um, I understand there's situations that pop up, and certainly coming off this year, that might be a, a little more glaring than, than it would be most years. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think that would be the only tweak, and it's not something I'd pound a table on. Okay, I, I could agree with that. I could see it. Uh, we did running back next. Uh, we did, uh, I, I did, elite of Nick Chubb, high quality of, of Kareem Hunt. And elite is like you're in the top five at your position to me. Like you're really, really good. Uh, high quality, I put Kareem Hunt. Roster worthy, Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, replaceable, a bunch of guys. Like I view your fullbacks are pretty much replaceable across the NFL, unless you're juice check out in San Fran, a difference maker. Maybe even could talk me into CJ Ham in Minnesota, but Stanton Janovich are replaceable, and then 
guys who are on the fringe. Even though I like John Kelly, I think he's got you know potential to be something more. We'll see. Trey Harbison and Dexter Williams are also names from the practice squad or fringe into the roster future deal. So I think Nick is pretty obviously elite. Uh, the data backs it up. Kareem, I think you could really try to talk yourself into that, but I think Kareem's like a top 15, top 12 back. And to me, that's not really elite. It's pretty dang good. He's high quality. He could start on a lot of teams, but uh, you know, I just don't think he's, he's quite elite, but I could, I could, come off that and you can maybe even talk me into Dearness Johnson being high quality. Any tweaks there? No, I, th- this one I'm in completely agreement with here. You know, I, th- I think you got it right. We got an elite guy. Um, we got a, a very high quality guy. You can debate where it is, but I'm not going to be the one talking about having two top five backs. I don't really think that's the case. Um, and there's no, that's not a knock on him. You know, um, there's a few players. Yeah. Yeah. He's over 500 yards. He's a restricted free agent. I don't know where Dearnest is going to end up or if he stays here another year, but I think he, he belongs somewhere, right? I mm-hmm. think he belongs somewhere. And like I said, you, you, could, you could really talk me into the way running backs work, that he could be a starter-worthy player on 15 teams. I, I think he could, but we need a little sure. bit more. need a little bit more. Um, wide receiver, obviously no elite players, high quality. It it could be a stretch with the way Jarvis performed this year to put him as a high-quality player. I do think there are enough bad receiver units around the league that he would get starter snaps on about half the teams because some teams use three wide receivers far more than Cleveland. So I had Jarvis there still. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz is roster-worthy guys that would be on 53-man rosters on half the league pretty convincingly. And and one you could argue with is Rashard Higgins. I put his replaceable Jamarcus Bradley, Ryan Switzer, I just like Higgins goes for 24 catches, 275. It's He's had these years of like, oh, maybe he's something, 500 and some change or 600, and then he's just kind of falls back off the face of the earth. And that, to me, kind of screams of a replaceable player, that he's a fringe wide receiver, four, five, six on whatever roster you want to put him on. But I could, I could be talked out of that. Do you have any of them there? No, um, I think I think you've got it right. Um you know, I don't think this is Jarvis' the best year. It's a challenging year for the injuries and that kind of stuff. But I think that you're right in where you placed them. And, um, you know, some of these other guys are young and they're, you know, they're trying to figure out their uh, their niche in the in the NFL. And we're hopeful for them. But there's no reason to have them any higher than where you did. You know, Demetri Felton could fit in. Um, you, had, you know, you had him a running back, but he could fit in just as well with uh, um, DPJ and, uh, and Schwartz and, and we'll figure out with Schwartz, you know, I just, I'm after a rookie year, I'm not going to make any big things, but certainly there, uh, I am very concerned about his, his ball tracking skills. Um, and, and I'm just concerned that the football speed doesn't translate to the track speed. That, that is a yeah. thing that happens. And I'm just a little nervous that, uh, he doesn't seem to have that gear that I thought he would instantly display. And that doesn't mean he's not fast, I just thought he would be a little more now fast than he is. Maybe he's just got a lot of build up to the process and that to me is a bit of a problem for what he's supposed to do really well. You know what I mean? So Agreed. Tight end I have no one in the elite category. Debatable here whether Austin Hooper is high quality. I think people are really fried out on him. I understand the pre cut uh June first date and all that stuff. I I'm of the belief that people were really happy when Austin Hooper was targeted, right? Like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. throw it to him. Um and, and and David also is high quality. Uh, neither of those guys are even in the realm of elite, but I think they're both high quality to the point that they would get starter snaps on half the league. 
and roster-worthy Harrison Bryant, and then Stephen Carlson, Miller, Forstall, Nick, I think Nick Gugamos, I think I got that right, uh, are replaceable guys. I don't know that there's much debate to be had here. If you hated how Austin Hooper played this year and you despised him by the end of the year, you could talk yourself into that guy's roster. I mean, Hooper's still serviceable. He blocks really, really well. And I know he's not the receiving threat we all hoped he would be, but for the most part, if he had more outside help, not saying he needs Julio Jones, maybe, maybe, maybe he does. I don't know, but he needs help on the outside to alleviate and give him some open opportunities that are not beating pressure coverage, right? He cannot handle separation pressure coverage. And we all want David to have a bigger role. We haven't quite seen it yet, but I hope there's a future there. But I think both those guys are high quality. I don't know if you disagree or not. Uh, you know, I'm one of the guys that's pretty low on hoop right now. I, I think <laughs> I think after two two years of the experience, there's no arguing that he's a, he's an excellent blocker. But I, I think I can honestly say after two years, um, I am kind of baffled by how poor of an athlete he is. And, uh, you know, I, you know, comparatively, obviously not comparing to myself, but you know, the, if you, if, if you're not an explosive tight end, then, then you got to catch. And, uh, this year was especially tough on him in that regard. He can't create any, um, you know, separation. I wonder, uh, who was the, um, who was the tight end that we had? I think he was with Fells, right? Yep. That's right. Darren Fells. And then you had a couple others Fels. too, that were kind of fringe guys, Ricky Seals, Jones, right. And then uh, who else am I thinking? There's one other guy. I can't remember him off the top of my head, but yeah, go ahead. For the life of me, I can't, I can't, I can't say like, and I know that this is fresh, right? So, you know, maybe a few months from now, I'll cool down and I'll feel differently, but I just, I don't see that you're getting much more out of a, uh, you know, a Hooper than you, than you got out of a Fels. And, um, you know, like I said, I acknowledge I got some fresh stuff here and certainly his salary and, you know, and expectations, expectations are always the thing, right? You know, you have, if you start with the high expectations, bring it in like a pro bowl type tight end, um, you expect to get a whole lot more out of them than I think that they've gotten out of Hooper. And, and maybe he turns it around in year three, maybe they cut him. I don't know. I just personally am not in a place where, you know, I just knock him down a, you know, a peg in your, um, in your rankings. But other than that, I, I get it. A lot of people are frustrated with him, and I, it's a huge lesson, a huge lesson on understanding how guys found success. And, and again, back to the original point, I understand why they signed him. They needed a professional in that room. There was kind of some immaturity stuff still going on with David. He was coming off an injury. They needed a player they thought they could, they could trust. I think that they were, I would say, communicating in the offices when they offered that deal about we expected more upside from him, a huge lesson on – a guy been it's like the Dalton Schultz situation ironically two guys from Stanford the Dallas tight end who's who's having mm-hmm. a nice year very similar statistically and it's like well you know when teams prepare for Dallas they don't want you throwing to CD they don't want they don't want to <laughs> give up you know the Michael Gallup and the and the Amar, Amari Cooper completions they want to throw they want you to throw to Dalton Schultz and like that's a part of the plan and if you're doing that, you're not thrown to those really, really good players, and then that's a better overall scheme plan. And that's kind of what Hooper was dealing with when he was in Atlanta. You know, his last year is his best year. Well, look at the guys Ridley and 
Julio who are taking the heat off of him, right? And it's like mm-hmm. that matters at the end of the day because yeah. that, and that's I still think even as the coverage gets tighter, you get less umbrella coverage in Cleveland where they're two over guys on the outside. They're not they're not bracketing those, so that's an extra defender clogging a lane that you typically have an opportunity to thrive in, right? So that makes it harder. More man to man coverage because they're less worried about separation stuff. Just hard the, the the level of opportunities for Hooper are harder, and that's where you start to realize like oh this might not be worth the level at which we paid. So I think there's a big lesson there about the level of athlete you bring in for that position if you expect to give them 60 targets in a season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, part of the reason, you know, part of the thing with tight ends is that um, if you have the right one, then they're a big value because of the, the way the salary cap works and, you know, uh, and, and what their market is out there, right? So that that's part of, like, the the enticement of, of having a guy like a Kelsey who, who, you know, is vastly underpaid for, for the kind of impact he makes. Um, you know, so when you pay at the top of a tight end list, I mean, you know, anybody that, that may have spent the last few years uh, upset about the kind of money that, that Jarvis makes, uh, I'm sorry, but like, to me, you know, like Hooper makes Jarvis look like a value, um, compared, you know, as far as in and out, what you're getting, um, you know, comparatively around the league, what you pay for there, I just think it's so much, so much under what you would expect to to put that kind of money into to a position that just doesn't make a ton. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's tough because both guys you need to be. If you're not going to run away from people, you're not going to consistently separate. You got to catch everything. Then you got to catch everything, yes. and they didn't catch everything, and that's a big part of the frustration is. If you're going to be a possession, air quotes, possession guy, you better damn well possess it. And they didn't possess it the way you could justify, well, you know, he didn't really get any yak yardage, but he blocks his butt off and he catches everything in the general region. You can get by with that sort of shrug and statement, right? But if you're, well, he's also dropping the football too. He's not as reliable. Then you start getting into what purpose does he serve, right, consistently to threaten the defense. So we'll talk more about Hooper later in the offseason because there's there's huge decisions looming. We'll close on the O-line. It's clear Joel Batonio and, and Wyatt Teller are paid like the elite players that they are, uh, you know, guys that are top of the – I think Joel Batonio had his best season, first team all pro for the first time. He's had all pros but not first team. And then, and then uh, you know, Teller's a pretty good a pretty good young player. He's going to keep getting better. But they're paid like elite players, I think they are, at the position. High quality is Treader to me. He's a high-quality center. Conklin, we'll see what they do with him as far as just talent evaluation goes. First team all pro last year. Some would argue whether that was true or not, but I think I think when healthy, he's a pretty good player, obviously. And then Jed Jedrick Wills to me would get look around the league at, at other you know other other teams tackle situations. I know Jed is not a perfect player yet, but to me a very high quality player still, uh, and, and and plenty of room to develop. Roster worthy Chris Hubbard, James Hudson, and Nick Harris I think are all roster worthy players for half the league. Hudson started to come out in the, the year. Nick Harris the Packers game was really fun. Uh, like I like I like his to the to the point I've made about like I would be comfortable if they let Treader go and Harris was your starter I think he's he's good enough and then replaceable Blake Hans and Michael Dunn good players I like them but are ultimately replaceable to me Drew Forbes Kelty Froholt I think I said that right David Moore Elijah Kansa uh, and then Alex Taylor are replaceable would you move any of those around No. Um... I wouldn't, but you know, obviously the the tough part there for you know Hubbard and um and what's his name uh, Jesus 
Hudson, uh, Harris? No, our tackle um, injuries may wipe them off the roster yeah. alone. Yeah. You know, Jack Conklin. Um, I, yeah, Conklin uh, is a is a steal of a deal in terms of salary and that kind of stuff. I mean, he's he's definitely not an all pro type, but uh, definitely a quality guy. And I would argue that he he was an all pro, but um, still a very good right tackle. And for the money. Everything's good there, but I wonder that if either him or Hubbard can be rosterable with these injuries, you know, with their yeah. salaries at least. Yeah, there's so, a, there's a decision there with Conklin and how serious that knee injury is, right? Like, yep. that that whole thing is is definitely looming. So, um, you know, I think you could talk me into moving around, to maybe Dunn up to roster worthy. I like Michael Dunn a ton. I was kind of cautious on this, but. It's a good group. A lot, a lot of high quality. I don't compared to other teams that have, uh, you know, that have that have uh, uh, not had many high quality players. They have a significant amount of high quality. One, two, three, four, five on the O line, uh, two on the tight end side, one wide receiver, two in the running back department, and a quarterback. Right. So I think to me it gets interesting that. There's enough ta- It shows to me on offense, and we'll do defense next week, but there's clearly enough talent to get this thing done. Uh, at least that's my opinion, and I don't think that's any secret. But it's nice to see it on paper how many uh, high-caliber high high caliber players they have on the roster. Yeah, uh, no, I 100% agree, although it does definitely uh, – I would say that doing this exercise certainly uh, emphasizes the, the point that people are making on the need to upgrade at wide receiver. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that when you look at the wide receiver that it uh <laughs> that it's pretty bleak cuz there's only 3 of them that you would even consider in those those upper tiers whatsoever even to roster worthy guys. So yeah, that is a glaring obvious situation that needs to be addressed on offense. We we kind of thought they were going to take one last year and now we're definitely positive they got to figure it out this year a lot of different ways to do it. This is fun. A lot of movie discussion, some some good stuff on offense. Maybe we'll get together uh, we'll get together next week and do defense. I'll, I'll probably aim to write it at the end of the week again. A lot of talent on that side of the ball, too, uh, especially when you the links in this article, if you find it at the OBR, have the 16, 17, 18, and 19 versions, and they were whew, they were bleak. So uh, some perspective <laughs> to be had there. Thanks, John, for joining. I know everybody loves your, your perspective and, and all that all that great stuff. So we appreciate you, brother. Appreciate it, Jake. Had a great time. Thanks again to John for coming on today's episode. Always appreciate him spending his Friday evening, uh, well, it's his Thursday evening, uh, with me to, to to put out a good show on Friday, one of the best of the year, uh, I think, is the Friday episode stuff. It's it's always been a blast to me. We'll keep doing them as long as John finds time. He's got a couple little ones at home, and that can be a challenge in and of itself. So we'll try to keep meshing schedules as best we can. Thanks to you guys for checking out all the episodes this week. We'll have a mock draft over the weekend, a live one that I'll do with a guest. Not sure who the guest will be yet, but we'll figure that out on the fly. It's uh, it's it's time to mock draft quite often. We're going to do it a ton. We'll see what happens uh, in terms of how these rankings shake out and what the wide receivers look like. I'm just getting into the film study of all of it, so there's a lot of moving parts going on there. But I think it's fun to do this at the early portions and then see what happens closer to the draft to compare. So. Anyway, thanks for today's, uh, you know, checking out today's episode. Thanks to, for supporting the OBR through the Twitch, the website, or this pod. And I appreciate you guys so, so much. Have a great, have a great Friday, and go Browns.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.